what they really are it probably cripplingly socially awkward when we say autism that's what we mean like these people don't have special interests in, in all seriousness like if yeah. you need adderall to pursue your special interest it's not a special interest all right what's up everybody this is other life i am justin murphy I just wanted to let you know that I write a free newsletter to thousands of people every week. It's where I publish my best work. I share events that you can come to and much more. We have an insane private community around the newsletter and it's free. Go check it out. Just go to otherlife.co. That's otherlife.co. When you subscribe, I'm going to send you a folder of PDFs that contain all of my personal highlights from a bunch of my favorite books that I've read over the years. So you'll get a million insights after just a few minutes of browsing these PDFs really. They're really special to me, and I just figured I'd share them with you all. So that's otherlife.co, otherlife.co. I would say the whole Teal Bucks meme is like 99% false. I would say like nine out of 10 cases where you hear this person got Teal Bucks. It's not true at all. For some reason, that meme is has so much traction. People love to say that. Why do you think that is? Like, why is that such a hot meme? Uh, God, it might be because of, uh, because of Gawker. Right? Is that is that is that the genesis of the the teal books? Ooh, we're going back internet history here. So yeah, yeah. how do you how, you think that that Gawker conflict kind of put teal on the map in a way that made him like culturally relevant? Yeah, no, it's it's okay. So it's a combination of that and then the revelation that he was friends with Curtis Yarvin. And it's a combination, but I like why doesn't like why doesn't Tyler Cowen get any shit right? Like Tyler, it's it's super transparent. Emergent Ventures, and it's it's an awesome thing, and he funds like tons of like really smart people. But um, it's it's the same. It's essentially that what people are accusing Teal of doing. It's just you know you you submit an application. Do you ever get Cowen bucks? Yeah, I have, you did. Oh, you I, did. I have Cowan Buck. Dude, I never got a single Teal Buck and I never got a single <laughs> Cowan Buck either. You have to apply. No, I did. You did? Yeah. Tyler Cowan rejected me two times. Apply a third time. No, I'm just going to shout him out on the podcast and and, and he, he's, he's going to become an arch ne- nemesis of mine, I think. No, I, you probably just didn't frame your project. No, well. I'm just kidding. No, no, oh, okay. no, no love lost. Um, <laughs> but no, people, you know what? People are always accusing me of like having secret investors, being, you know, being on the Teal Bucks. But I'm very proud about this because I've never received a single fucking dollar of investment or grant from really anyone. I mean, I've had friends who have like, you know, I've played positive sum games with people and people who have been, you know, yeah. helped me out along the way, as we all do. Right. But I've never received a single fucking dollar from anyone. And I, not for lack of asking. I mean, right. I, I never asked Teal for anything, but I did ask for the Tyler Callen bucks two separate times and you know, two separate times he said no. So, um, but you're, you're on the, you're on the, yeah. the Cowan stipend. Yeah. I, I applied for a grant. I got the grant and, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's about it. What's the trick? How do you get uh, money? For, how do you get money from rich people? <laughs> I don't actually, I don't actually know. I think maybe my project was interesting to him. I don't want to, I don't want to blow up what the project is, but, uh, um, Oh, it's not what you're currently working on. It's something new. It's, it's part of what I'm working on. It's it's an extension of that, but I had this sort of like wacky theory with Emmett Penny, who I think you also know. Yeah, he's a member of the community. Yeah, um, and we were like, yeah, let's apply for a grant to you know flesh this theory out. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you can't talk about it. Well, only because I think it's a really good idea, and I don't want to see like a watered down version of it somewhere else. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Which is a mo- I sound so up my own ass there. <laughs> no, nah, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, so you are, I think the very first person to be on the podcast three times. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Um, I feel like that's the role I, I play uh, online. Oh, in general? Like you've yeah. been on other people's me- podcasts many I'm the, times? I'm sort of the like weird, I feel like we're actually similar in this way where it's just like, 
We're uh, like the unsinkable Molly Browns of Twitter. Like we're kind of involved in everything and no one really knows why. Do you feel like you say yes too much? I say yes to everything. Yeah. Do you feel like you cheapen your brand by going on too many podcasts? Not by going on too many podcasts, but I've definitely said yes to projects that I thought were cool, but I was like certainly not the right person to Mm. do it. And then it's been, it's like come back to haunt me. Oh, okay. And people are like, oh, well, you did this, you know, in in 2016. And I actually found that out from finding your, your, you know, your Tumblr um, and, you know, and your full legal name, which I'll, you know, tweet out. Uh, And that is actually, uh, you know, it conflicts with this project you're working on in, in, you know, 2022. Um, It's like, it's, you know. (laughs) Right. I say yes to just about every podcast invitation I ever receive. Yeah. And I'm starting to reevaluate that. I think it's uh, not sensible. I've definitely been on some terrible ones. It's not. Yeah, that's part of the problem. That can be the problem. But it's more just like it sucks up time. But two, I do think that there is I'm kind of more leaning towards nowadays. I like a style that's a little bit more like uh, reserved and hidden and hard to hard hard to get to Um, just because it does suck up a lot of time. And I think it does kind of cheapen your brand a little bit. It could it could be good at first. Like, was it you who said, like, there's two ways to be successful? You can either be prolific or good or something (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe maybe. well no i think there's some i forgot if i ever said that but i think there's there's truth to that that it's like the the old quote or adage that quality or i'm sorry uh, quantity has a quality all of its own yeah uh i do think that you can kind of lock into a certain amount of volume that more or less compensates for quality like if you suck but you do enough you can kind of like grow that way yeah just last person standing i feel like that's been my um my strategy like Am I the absolute best at what I do? No way, but I do it the most. So <laughs> Okay, I like that. So let's let's talk about this a little bit. Why don't you give us an update on all of your projects? You were on the podcast a couple of times, so people probably remember you from the past. Uh, you write a Substack called uh, Default Wisdom at defaultfriend.substack.com. Yeah. But you also do a bunch of other things. You, you, I think you're kind of like me in that yeah. you're kind of always experimenting with different things. So what is your current focus? Like how has your kind of internet project evolved and where is it at right now? How would you describe the the main focus of your work right now? Um, I, I think I'll start just uh, taking people through the, the history. Yeah. Why I was on your podcast the first time was I did a short film um, about prostitutes in Thailand and I never released it um, because the location was very hostile to me and I just felt like it cursed the footage and um that's that's that but the, really mean, like that's why you decided not to publish it because you had just bad experiences it was with the most hostile set anyone involved had ever been on what do you mean by hostile set like, like the people working on the film like hated each other or? okay so our director of photography was extremely talented but he he thought it was his film so he like changed the color palette that you know we had talked about he he went way over budget he was super mean to everyone um and then the people who owned the location that we shot at um, they like, they were, they were behind on their rent by like $12,000 and they thought that I was rich, which I wasn't. I like worked like three or four jobs to save up for this film. Mm. Like it was, I was working so much that I was like really on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Mm. Um, so they thought, but they thought I was rich and they were like, I'm, this is my theory at least. So they're like, okay, we're just going to say that this chick like destroyed our apartment and try to sue her or something okay so you had this like uh nightmare kind of social problem accidentally revealed to me that they were behind on their rent so i was like um you know i had gotten insurance thank god but i said this to the insurance company like these people are you know twelve thousand dollars behind on rent so i think that might have something to do with what's going on 
Um, and then the proof that they sent that we had destroyed their apartment was like super insufficient. But I was like kind of scared of these guys for a while. Well, and this is in Thailand. No, it was it was it was it was it was fictional. Uh, oh, okay. But I like recreated, you know, Thailand and. You know, Wow, so that that project did complete? Like, you have complete. a finished film? I have a finished and film. And you just never published it? Yeah, because I'm just like... I mean, it was just the energy was so bad. And then also, like, the storyline is, you know, if I think I'm cancel bait now... <laughs> I mean, this is before I had sort of, like, a consciousness. And I think, like, I tried to sort of, like, mask it by, like, saying sex worker instead of prostitute. <laughs> but it was, like, still really, like... Honestly, like even not accepting like the woke premise, it's still kind of offensive. Like it's offensive by my own metrics. I'm like, I was too young and. But it w- so it had a kind of sex negative attitude. It, it I can't. I don't even want to say what the plot is because it's like bizarre. It and edgy, like in a in a way that yeah, would it's edgy trigger. in the way where it's like clearly I was like working something out through the film, and it um y- you know like some kind of anxiety that I had and. I wasn't aware of that. Like I showed it to my mom and she was like, what happened to you? Like, who are you angry at? Well, um, this is great. Cause you're building lore for the film. And so when it eventually comes out, it's going to be like, I mean, it sounds really interesting now yeah. that you're like the way, the way you explain why it never came to fruition. Yeah. You're selling it amazingly. Like it's, uh, oh, well, you know, thank you. well, it sounds like provocative. It sounds like dangerous. It sounds like uh, all this weird kind of uh, like social energy behind it. <laughs> so I feel like you should release it. Yeah. I mean, I, the, you know, and it won a couple of contests, um, this, the screenplay at least. And like the, the, the comments that I would get back were like, this is really good, uh, but I feel like I need to take a shower now. Oh. But I thought it was like, oh, because it's a horror film. So I was like, oh, it's really scary. And like, huh. I was a successful, you know, horrorist, uh, but also, you know, also a the W also, because it's about sex work. <laughs> so you have this film, you completed right. it, but you haven't released it. This was of... like even pre-default friend. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so what comes after that? All right. So after that, then why was I on the podcast the second time? I don't know, just, just to, hanging out. Just to chat. Um, so who knows? I mean, like, who knows what happened from, from that point? I don't, that, that's a wash. I mean, we should pause on the fact of how long ago this all was. Like, <laughs> this is like multiple years ago, like several years ago. Yeah, basically. this. I think uh, this was 2018. And the whole, like, making friends on the internet thing now is very, it's very common now. It's kind of been normalized in a way. Yeah. But back then it was, like, still kind of new. Like, you, I just want to kind of draw attention to, we're OGs in this game, basically, <laughs> you and I. Yeah, I mean, I, I have internet friends from, God, from before the 2010s, even. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I, I've... I don't know. I've had people I met on Neopets at my apartment. <laughs> and back the last time, the second time you were on the podcast, were you even doing a newsletter at that time? I, don't I, I was. The, okay. the newsletter, so it was events for a little bit. Um, and then it was advice when COVID happened. And then um, I switched to just like whatever the hell I was thinking about. And then I just kept thinking about the internet. So it became sort of de facto about the internet. Um and then someone asked me, well, Forever Mag uh, asked me and Delicious Tacos to do an advice column that went really well. And then we just kept doing it. And we- okay, that's recent though, right? That just yeah. started recently? Yeah. Okay, so what's the story with Forever Mag? Who is that? What is it all about? They're, I heard about them, but I don't know anything. They're, I, th- I don't think they're a lit mag per se, but I think they're like, they're almost a lit mag. Uh, New York? New York and LA. Um, and yeah, Where, they're Where's cool. the money coming from? Probably their own pockets is my. They're <laughs> trust funders or what? No, I think they just. I mean, I don't. I don't really know them, but um, my guess would be it's a passion project. It could be wrong, um, and I think. I mean, I think people buy it, so it's probably. Okay. 
Well, in my mental model of the cultural economy right now, there's really only three options. There's either, maybe four, there's, it's either teal bucks or Cowan bucks, but those sure. are the same bucks basically, I right. think. So um, it's either teal bucks or it's a VC or it's a profitable business. Um, I think Cowan, or it's trust teal, fund, or it's trust fund. That's, that's VC is all one category. Okay. That's, that's what, because that's the thing about teal bucks. It's like anyone with money at all funds projects that they think are interesting. If you have that. Right. Well, I would make a distinction between uh, kind of grants from high net worth people who just want to fund things they want to see yeah. in the world versus VC stuff that think they think they're going to get an ROI on it. Okay. Yeah, you that's know? fair. Because there is an interesting distinction. Like if you look at like Praxis, for instance, right? Like right. that is a VC backed startup. You know, presumably the people who, um, invested in Praxis think it's going to be profitable for them in the long run. Yeah, but that's but they're not in the same category. No, that's right. That's yeah. right. But they're kind of in our circles. It's kind and it's, yeah. it's kind of like a, a social a social thing. So it's 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 it is kind of interesting actually how the lines are starting to blur in a way. So okay, so there's teal bucks, there's VC, then there's profitable businesses like mine basically, and then there's trust funders. Sure. Uh, so we don't know about Forever Mag anyway. Um, their what are what's like their niche or like how would you describe their their subculture i don't know them super well um so i don't want to miscategorize them i think and i'm not sure that they're in sort of the like new york downtown scene that uh mike crumpler yeah so how much do you know about all that uh not a not a lot this is like what they call the dime square crew i think right right which feels just like uh, a spiritual successor to what's always been there you know alt lit and then, you know, right. And this is something you and I know more about. I, right. You've written about this a little bit. And I think you and I are of the age yeah. where the whole alt lit thing back in the day is the closest kind of uh, yeah. comparison case to to this current iteration of the, the New York like alt writer scene or whatever. <laughs> so this is interesting to unpack. So uh, this is something I wanted to actually ask you about. You've written about this, what you call the culture of confession. You know the people like Marie Calloway and right. Taolin and these people. What is what is that culture of confession? What what is the essence of it? And you know what do you find of interest there in terms of what's changed? Because uh, I, I thought your essay on that was interesting. It, I think it, it was like a stream of consciousness style that was like very people described it as affectless. Um, which I know Taolin is very. He's like, there's tons of emotion in my work. What are you what are you talking about? Um, but I think it was it's 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 like if you take. Uh, if you're on Adderall and you're constantly sort of updating your Facebook status with everything that's happening in your life, but if you made that literature, right. I think that's all lit. Did you participate in this moment at I all? I tried, but I was too much of a fucking dork. Oh, were you? I mean, this is my thing. I, you know, speaking of Mike Crumpler, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, I'm like always there, but I'm like, there's something almost like too autistic about me where I can't like, they kind of know I'm an outsider. And it's like, it's almost as though like, there's something about like, you just have to declare yourself part of a group to be part of a group mostly, right. but there's something that stops me. So I always stick out like a sore throat, a sore thumb. But this is what's interesting about the current moment compared to that period is that now it's much, you're much more rewarded for being truly independent yeah. and being productive on your own. Whereas back in the, back at that time, there was still like gatekeeping. Like I mean, I was, I was tangentially involved. In yeah. it. I was friends with some people like who were kind of big in that scene or whatever. Um, I, I'll, I'll never forget that we had a reading at our warehouse in Philadelphia one time that uh, Steve Rogan buck was at. And oh, like, yeah. I think like Megan Boyle came through and people like that. And, uh, I think I wrote I wrote a few articles in like thought catalog back at that time. So I was, yeah. I was like not deep in it, but I was, uh, tangential to it. And, 
the big difference between then and now, in my opinion, is that you did back then you did still have to kind of um, ingratiate yourself in a scene. Yeah. Whereas now it's like if you're smart or interesting or weird or creative and you have the discipline to just like churn out newsletters, you can basically um, rise to the top in a way that you couldn't back then. I, I don't know if I agree. I think you still kind of need to ingratiate yourself to a scene. You can create your own scene with enough persistence, but that was true then too. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not bragging or anything, but I feel like I'm truly not a member of any tribe or scene and I've never, like, I, I feel like I just literally well, don't. you're an edge case. Yeah, but but there's a lot of edge cases, I feel I like don't, now. I don't think so. Whereas, I guess what I'm saying is back at the alt-lit time, I felt like you had described it basically. Like, yeah. I, I always felt um, it wasn't, like my opportunities there were limited yeah. because I felt like just a little too, I don't know, uh, independent or like I didn't, I didn't, I never thrived at like ingratiating myself in, and, and like climbing social ladders. I yeah. always hated that kind of stuff. So I felt back at that time that it wasn't, I wasn't, you know, super excited by it. Whereas now I feel like it's just relatively uh, right. way more open and way more kind of chaotic and requires less social ingratiation. That, that might, that might be true. Um, but I still, I don't know. I think a little bit. Yeah. So what do you think changed uh, in what you describe as the culture of confession? You you talk about how um, things have changed since then. And yeah. where has that culture of confession gone and why? Speak about that a little bit. Well, I think it's coming back. And I think that it probably had been percolating. And I didn't realize this until uh, the, the MPC Film Fest, right? And if you read a lot of the... The writing of the people who were Im- involved with that film festival. And did you go to that? I did. Okay. Um, and like sort of the stuff that was read at Angel Fest, which was a poetry reading that was organized as a part of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, which was uh, I had a I had a piece read there, but the the gentleman who read it for me because uh, I was too nervous to get up there on my own screamed it <laughs> like it was death metal or something. <laughs> um, there, it has like a similar sort of like. It's um, informed by being online a lot, um, but it's like almost it almost feels like a little inauthentic. Um, I, I, I think it's more authentic now than it was then, um, you know, in, in 2008, um, like, uh, you know, very sort of amused by their own bravery to reference discord servers or whatever, you know. Interesting. So you think compared to people like Tao Lin, it's more kind of awkward and autistic and self-referential or less um they're okay so they're both they're both uh awkward and autistic and self-referential however um this so Taolin is not an example of this i say he he really of those writers he really was in a class of his own and he's cool yeah marie yeah. calloway too uh but some of the other writers like like the names we don't even remember right would sort of like affect being very online when they really weren't because like being on Facebook a lot and then being very online, they're sort of two different things, especially then. Interesting. Say more about what you mean by that. Like there is, there is something there was like, are you like addicted to social media? Because this is sort of what everyone's mainlining. There's something sort of like still normy about it. Or are you like really like online in a way where like you're unintelligible to outsiders? And I, Right. So the people like Tao and Megan were kind of the um, early representatives of this, like, because yeah. a lot of their writing was kind of like, you know, right. whatever. I took Adderall. I tweeted uh, 50 times today. Yeah. I haven't left the house. And That's there was something of, that felt like very true. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I bought it. Right. 
and not that I didn't believe the sort of like younger, there's a lot of like 15 year olds involved too. And it wasn't that I didn't believe them. Back uh, then actually, or now? Back, back then. Right. I mean, I, w- I was still in high school too. Um, but like, it's something I didn't like believe them, but you kind of could tell that they were like, it was like derivative. And at the time in New York, and I've never been able to articulate this correctly. Um, so this is around the same time that like Silicon Valley is starting to boom again. And you have the app right. bubble. You have all these young people in tech. And then I, 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 I don't know if it's even related to that, but um, there is this sort of like New York artist impulse to sort of be like i'm interested in tech i'm so online and like they kind of weren't actually it was just sort of saying Hmm. it and it 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 shined through in a lot of the writing okay that's kind of interesting now that i think about i never made that connection now that i think about it the whole outlet thing was very separate from tech yeah and and not even anti-tech but just totally distinct whereas now they're way closer isn't it yeah it's like people like you and i are sociologically way closer to tech and overlapping with tech people and now there's a lot of kind of tech writers and tech yeah. substack authors whereas back then it was very separate wasn't it yeah it it, it was it, it was super separate and also like it was people who were sort of like addicted to social media um and in these alternative like art scenes people who were like internet poisoned and then tech those were like three different categories that you know tech and internet poisoning might overlap but the, the a lot of these sort of like alt artists were um, kind of like affecting a certain like oh I'm you know I'm so online and antisocial and it was not really true. And how do you feel about it now? Is that is that kind of false affective attitude or tendency worse now or just different? Like how do you think about um, it? You know, so or my, better maybe is it more authentic? Like are are the I, Gen Z kind of internet like crazy people? Are they just like so far gone that they're like on some new shit? I mean, I think I think a lot of them are sort of like amused with like too amused with the sort of reputation of Gen Z as being like, uh, you know, digitally poisoned in this way where I feel like they're, they're hamming it up. For yeah, sure. yeah. And it's, you know, they're young, but like I'm sure I did what, you know, some analogous of this at, the, at that age. Um, but, you know, so my ex podcast co-host uh, when I did after the orgy, which is like a I think that can stand alone as its own art piece, <laughs> okay. you know, a self-contained project. But she wrote this uh, critique of Fuckboy. And it was, I mean, a, like a really, really, he, she skewered this book. Um, and and remind I, me, what was that book? It, it was, I don't even, it was about like a Postmates delivery guy. And the, uh, the author had received like a six-figure advance, which is very rare in publishing right okay. now, especially for fiction, especially for a debut book. And it was written in a very specific sort of style. And, you know, she, she, I, so I do think that people are more authentic now, but she said that there, if I'm remembering correctly, there's like a, people are confusing um, authenticity and laziness basically. Hmm. And it's just like, there's no real self-reflection, which I do agree with in a lot of the work. It's like, it's just a stream of consciousness um, without it. You know, a lot of people don't edit their writing um, like angelicism, you're kind of subtweeting. No, not no. at all. I was, I wasn't even thinking oh, of oh, him. Oh, okay. But um, I, but I that would be an example, right? It's maybe like, I don't know what the angelicism's deal is. I think that he, he might be very, or they might be very intentional. I've tried to read a couple of posts. I don't totally get it. It's not my. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I don't mean to. I'm not. I'm not throwing shade. I'm. I'm <laughs> yeah. like friendly with that person. It's. Uh, I. I like. I like them. But yeah. um, uh, it's there is this trend now to. Yeah. 
you know, bad spelling, bad grammar as a flex kind of. And you know okay. who actually, I think anyway, I mean, and you know who's like one of the first culprits of this is, is Bronze Age pervert. Like the whole like broken English yeah. kind of thing. Like I, I kind of just think that there's a little too much of this as it's a crutch, basically. It's, it's, it's a cope. It's a way, it's a way to like not have to stand by the quality of, of your sentences, I, basically. I disagree. Okay. I think BAP is probably has a very, um, I think his natural typing style is probably very distinctive and it's a way to keep anonymity and it's also a way so he could, he, he has a cult following. So it's a way, it's a way to gatekeep. I think it's very, it's actually really smart how he does it. And I think there's actually probably, I don't, again, I don't know angelicism and I also don't know that subculture at all. Um, A lot of the, uh, the, the poetry and fiction that I'm referring to are people are, Small players, admittedly, I don't even know their names. It's mm. just things that have been sent to me, like on like just rando lit mags. Not even yeah. we were talking about forever, but like I don't even know if forever publishes this kind of stuff. Probably yeah, not, yeah. honestly. Um, you know, I've read maybe one poem that they've published, and I loved it. You know, so it was like, yeah. yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm talking like just random ass okay, rumors, gotcha. right? You know, good, dis- good Discord servers, context. So, yeah. Um, but without having the context context on angelicism, it's probably a way to to create boundaries um, and sort of put up a fence around, you know, their project and what they're trying to do. Totally. And I think that's a, that's a fair defense. Um, I think the problem is a very common problem where the progenitors are maybe very thoughtful and sophisticated. Like I think Bronze Age Pervert is a very smart man, a very interesting guy for sure. Uh, Same thing with Angelicism. Uh, same thing with Taolin, but then there's all of these kind of like fakers sure. and there's this like long tail of, of yeah, kind of fakers, posers. right? And and for for that, um, you know, long tail, the bad spelling and grammar is just like this amazing cover for laziness uh, and, for, yeah, yeah. And, and for low quality, frankly. And so that's kind of the self-harming um, aspect of this kind of lackadaisical style yeah. is that it creates room for a really lazy uh, culture where quality and shit can't really be separated very easily so it 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 has these you know kind of i think very self-limiting effects on on the culture that emerges around them yeah that i mean that sounds that's that sounds true but i mean like you know most people don't want to put in the like this has been true for a very very long time like most people are just lazy <laughs> yeah you know? yeah so okay the Substack is that are, is this like your full-time job now that your no, Substack? no okay no, no. i i work a, a very normie like nine to five um, and I never want to lose that. <laughs> yeah, you find that that's helpful for doing well, it, your creative work. It anchors me yeah. one, but I'll you know, and I I enjoy it. But the other thing is like this is so fleeting, um, and I don't know what it hinges on and what powers it. And I don't want to. Be, I don't want to play with fire. And I think I've already I've already flown pretty close to the sun. Okay, so yeah. meaning you you feel that all of the your your internet writing and and your content online is very kind of fragile and could disappear at any moment it's true for a lot of people yeah um but i think like you know me especially um like you know i i I don't know if we got this on we recorded this but i I, you know i'd said earlier earlier that like i'm i'm probably more prolific than i am talented um and um event you know eventually that catches up with people Interesting. So yeah. you, you you feel like you're not worthy of like going hardcore on this for the long term as, as a mean, really long term project. Worthiness is a is a weird thing, but I feel like like I don't um you know, some people could ride on like a cult of personality, which I don't think I can do. Um it's very if only for you know, I don't think I have the charisma, but I also think like 
like I have this Discord server for paid subscribers. Yeah. And, you know, there's no distance between me and the people who are paying for this Discord server, basically. Like, to yeah. me, it's like, um, you know, it's I, I, I'm like totally myself there, uh, you know, walls down. And I don't think you could be someone who's sort of so fluid, so walls down and do this full time. Interesting. Why not? Uh, you know, I, I think at a certain point you need to put up boundaries and also that's how you perpetuate success is, uh, you know, thinking that you should be successful. Like sometimes I read, there's a Substack that I really like and I'm going to say something critical of it. So I'm not going to say what it is. No, come on. But, um, okay. I'll, I'll describe and people could context. There's a, a young woman who is, she's a leftist. She's, she's like 20 years old and she's, her content's really interesting and really good. Um, but, and even though she's like often sort of transparent about her success or even apologetic, well, not apologetic, but like she has a lot of gratitude for it. You she's can, very big or kind of big or medium big. And okay. she's go. She, I, I, I would put money on her becoming like very big. Right. Like, okay. Um, she, you kind of can tell that she thinks that she deserves it in a way. Like she think like she can, if, Right. Or she could like envision it at least. Yeah, she could hell em- yeah. She can envision herself as someone who, um, you know, has a sort of like parasocial following. And I have to know it. who. I have to guess. Is it uh, this Anne Helen Peterson chick? No. Um, isn't he- close? No. Isn't Anne Helen Peterson like an older, is she? I think she's our age. I don't know though. She's like in her 30s? I think. I don't know though. Yeah. I think she's quite big actually though. Yeah. Um, so who are you just, just tell us. Uh, no, I'm not going to say. Really? I mean, why? Yeah, be- because. You're, being, you're not being uncharitable. Because um, I, I feels like weird somehow to like comment on someone like this. I'll just keep thinking and I'll keep guessing. Yeah, I'm like armchair psychoanalyzing a person. I don't. But know. But you're you're making a really good point, and it's yeah. important. Like yeah. success on the internet requires real belief that yeah. you're gonna that that you're gonna do it, that you deserve it, yeah. that it's your destiny. Like you have to hype yourself up on all that shit. I will. You know, speaking of people have already creeped out, I think like Ayla is actually a good example of this because I think part of the reason she pisses people off is not just the sometimes perplexing nature of her mind, um, which is very unique, but you could sort of tell she has like a sense of, she has a confidence and a a certainty that most people don't have. And that helps propel her success. Um, And that certain, I don't, I don't have that certainty. Like there's no audience performer barrier. Like I am, you know, if I'm performing, I'm also in the audience and I like, I feel like for me, if I'm on a stage, right, I'm constantly looking at the audience and asking, how am I doing? <laughs> and you cannot do that. Like, you need to be like, I'm on a stage, but I can't let on that I know I'm on a this stage. This is really insightful. I think you're absolutely right. You, There is this kind of mind state you have to click into, which is yeah. basically, it's it's the difference between professional and amateur, basically, right. is what you're describing. And what you're saying is you, are, you self-identify as amateur. You like yeah. having it as a hobby. You like having it as a side thing to your main, you know, professional paid work. And that suits you best. Right. And I mean, it's, it's, it's even more than like liking it. Like, I think, you know, it, it's, it's very freeing for it to be kind of amateurish. Right. But also, I don't know if I could take myself seriously and be like, like, you know, I'll, I'll get phone calls sometimes from journalists because I'm an expert in some certain niche things. Right. And I really am the only person who's written about it or studied it. And I still feel like I'm just like some chick with a blog. Yeah. Right. Like why, I'm, why am I being quoted in, even if it's just some local ass newspaper, right? Like it's like, it Dude, feels because it's, it's like the weird independent chick with a blog is like the most powerful agent in the world, <laughs> in the world right now. I mean, yeah. really like, like the weird people who are doing this stuff for fun, 
coming out of nowhere for, you know, in this, for no particular reason, this really like wild, unanchored, disinterested way. That's like the hottest shit in the world. And yeah. and for good reason, because everything else is fake. Basically, if you're like too instrumental, if you're too, you know, professionalized or whatever, it starts to get stale. It starts to get um, kind of predictable. Yeah. And so it makes sense that you get those types of things. So, I mean, this is very interesting to hear because um, we haven't talked in like several months or whatever. Yeah. And from the outside, you, it's looked like your project is becoming more professionalized. So it's interesting to hear that that's actually not really the case. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I'm not going to turn any opportunities down. And part of it is like, there is a sense, you know, I have my own type of arrogance, right? Like I, you know, I'm very sort of like, oh, I had an idea that seems good. I've got to publish this immediately. So it's like, it, you know, it, so it's my idea. So I have like, I, I, I time stamped it, yep. which is like a really fucked up sort of, way to be right yeah and can I, be. I, I mean and it's not necessarily bad i mean but that's you know it's part of why i'm so prolific because i'm like oh my god i need to bookmark this you know for later <laughs> right totally totally so that's fascinating i mean part of me is as your friend i can say this like do you is this just like limiting beliefs? Like, is this, is this just like your way of, you know, not maximizing your potential and not doing the most with what you have in front of you? Cause I feel like, um, if you're just conscious, if you're just like conscious of who you are and what you want, yeah. and this is like the truth of your preferences, totally. That's a beautiful thing. But part of me is kind of like, are you just, could you just decide to cl- turn it up a notch and build like a massive badass thing, do it full time and change the world? Uh, and, and you could do that. And maybe you would like doing that, but maybe are you nervous or like, is um, there a self-limiting? I mean, there's things that make me, there's things that make me nervous, right? Like, uh, you know, do you ever think about doing this? Like, do you ever toy mean, with like this idea of like going full throttle on like building? a? I don't a f- know. Well, I also don't know how I could possibly do more than what I'm already doing. Like there are, there are ways and I've had ideas of things to do, but I don't know how you know like what i would need to like need to do to possibly put more well, just like it. a matter of the mindset that you were yeah. talking about like do you ever do you ever think about you know like what if i just got super serious mentally and was like i just decided to start seeing myself as someone who's going to be fucking massive in 10 years i don't think i it's i don't just not you it's it's just doesn't feel organic at all cool. well it's yeah. good that you know yourself um yeah. it's just interesting yeah um you know i it it, it would be cool but also like I get so spooked at random stuff too. And sometimes I need to take a step back. Like I had someone and this was totally innocuous and I don't dislike this person at all. Like email me. And it's like someone I've spoken to like maybe two times ever and like refer to me as their friend. And I was like, what? Like, Oh shit. I just did that. Are we friends? Sorry. No, we're, we're friends. Are we? But okay, I mean, cool. it was like truly someone who had like <laughs> left a long comment on a post and then like emailed me like several right. months later right, and like right. stuff like that makes me think the like whole parasocial thing is yeah it's like, weird and it is yeah it it, it, it it does take a toll on people emotionally yeah. and i think i deal with it probably and i let a lot of, i let probably most people in and I'm, pr- I'm very like relaxed about it but sometimes it's like sometimes people get mad at you too which is the other thing where because they've sort of invented a relationship that isn't really there you said in a recent post that you used to for a while you disliked NFTs and now you like NFTs. Yeah. So what changed there and uh, how do you see that? I didn't realize how strong some of the communities are. And I thought that was really cool. And I didn't realize that there was sort of like a role playing aspect to it. Okay. Like they're like these NFTs like um sometimes have like personalities that people have like, you know, they've these affinities to and I'm like, oh that's actually really cool. And you're rocking the Milady profile <laughs> profile pick. Yeah. How many I, Miladies do you have? 
Just one. Okay, me too. Yeah, we're we're, we're plebs, man. The, I think the floor pli- the floor price just went up today to like point eight ETH or something like that. That's great. We're getting we're getting priced out. We're plebs. We only have one. <laughs> I'm like uh, I keep thinking about buying more. So how did you get into Miladia? How do you read that? Like what's going on with that? Oh my god, what what happened? Like I saw I kept seeing them, and then I just like became obsessed with them. And what? So what's your read? What do you what do you see? I don't, in them? I don't know because like now I'm in all these like Milady group chats, and I'm like <laughs> I just don't spend enough time in there. Yeah. Um. I, there's this other NFT series, Tochiba, Tochiba or something. No. Okay. It's like these little computers, and I think those are pretty cool. Oh yeah, I think Barrett had that guy on yeah. his podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he did too. I yeah. think I I I, I was looking cool? it up. I yeah. So the Discord server is cool, and you can like earn cigarettes and stuff, <laughs> like digital cigarettes. And I I like the you know like gamification. I just fucking hate Discord. It's like way too chaotic, and there's <laughs> yeah, way too many of them. This is why I'm an Urban Maxi now, because it's like the based chill Discord. Yeah. And you're kind of into Urbit now. So you've been like, I see you've been like, you know, brandishing your, your, your at P, your, your Urbit handle. Um, how did you get into that recently? Or what's made you like pay more attention to that um, recently? I don't remember. It's been on my radar for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been to a few Urbit meetups and I just like never, I uh, <laughs> just never tried it out. Um, I like even like pitch them like, hey, can I make some commercials for you guys? Yeah. Uh, like I don't know I don't even know what I was thinking I'm like I don't <laughs> I don't know the brand at all it just seems like I, I, I might have been like uh drunk or something and just emailed <laughs> them um but yeah I don't know I think the the culture seems interesting but I'm not I'm not super I'm not super deep into it I know that you are all so, about it though. so what well what's the I, psychology behind why you've been kind of brandishing it more you've been kind of like flirt, um, flirting with it more like what what's your interest or motivation so I'm they're they're doing I don't know if this is like a secret or anything from blowing up their spot, but they have, they're doing this magazine, right? I think we could talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. So they're doing this magazine and I, I'm doing a book review for it. And I think it just reached the point where I was like talking about things that sound like Urbit. I'm writing this article for them and it felt like rude that I just like wasn't on it. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I was like, all right. I'll- so for people who don't know, we're talking about the Mars review of books. I think it's kind of low key, but I think it's not super secret. Like Noah, the editor, his Twitter handle is Mars reviewer. So that's like, uh, he's basically okay. saying it. Yeah. So yeah, um, that is going to be interesting. People should look out for that. Um, there'll definitely be a lot of overlap with the podcast and the authors in that. Um, and I don't know if this is secret either, but there's going to be an Urbit week in NYC oh, around cool. uh, May 20th. Uh, if that's secret, all right, you heard it here first. I, I, I mean, they're going to have to publicize it pretty soon. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to be in New York for a week around May 20th. By the way, if you're watching or listening uh, and you're going to be in New York, um, save the dates. There are going to be some events and stuff. So um, are you going to go out for that by any chance? Um, Can you be in New York around May 20th? Yeah. You I may, well, maybe. I'll yeah. try. I kind of want to hear more gossip about the NPCC fe- thing because I wasn't there. And I was, okay. a little, I, I was actually a little salty that I wasn't invited. You um, need so, to no, I know. be invited. Dude. <laughs> Well, I don't want to sound I don't want to sound like a cocky asshole or anything, but I'm kind of at a point where I I don't I, don't, I only go to things if I'm invited. Like I don't I'm not I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be an attendee at some conference. But if you invite me, I'll go. And if you don't yeah. invite me, then you're on my shit list. I mean, of, <laughs> I think about it. I think this you know I don't I don't know how much cash they had to fly people out. Is the thing I think they flew they might have flown out like filmmakers. Yeah, well, I should have been on the fucking list. Why didn't you submit a film? Not to do film shit, just to be there. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> fucking around. I'm not that salty about um, it. But I, I didn't go because I wasn't invited, basically. Okay. Um, and I'm friendly with the people who put it on, so I'm just giving them shit. But um, 
obviously I'm not very close friends with them, but I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I thought we were on friendly terms, whatever. It's all good. Um, but I want to hear just more about, cause it, sure. it, it was interesting and you have great takes when it comes to just like interpreting cultural moments. W- what do you make of the, this kind of weird, it, it's weird to me that in, in New York, there's this like new scene, which is very independent, kind of schizoid, very kind of anti-establishment, but there seems to be just in New York always at all times and places, there's always this kind of gravitational pull back towards like prestige yeah. and institutions. And everyone's mental model is always this kind of like uh, instinct that things will re-territorialize on like big brands and prestige outlets. It's and, true. Yeah. And whereas out in Texas, it feels so different. Like, I don't know um, if you have takes on the, on, on the difference of vibe or whatever, but like out here, it feels like truly like the wild west. Like yeah. no one I work with here and hang out with and, and talk with, like no one here gives a fuck about like if they're going to get a mention in the New Yorker or like, right. if you know, or like, you know, it, it's just seriously and genuinely not on the radar of people's minds at all here it's just like fucking crypto make money be free buy land do crazy shit make a dow you know like you're not running into people who work for the new yorker at parties here which is a big a really big difference yeah it's i think i mean i think this this attitude is for a lot of reasons but part of it is just proximity and i think the reason that it's actually smart to pay attention to these downtown scenes even if they seem you know, ineffectual or derivative or whatever. And I'm not saying that they are. I'm saying even if they, you know, even, even if that's your opinion um, is because it always ends up informing, um, you know, it always ends up informing larger culture. It, trickle, it trickles down. Um, and when journalists, you know, scrape for content, that's part of where they go. Um, what I think is interesting now is like you have this sort of old guard that is irrelevant Um and the scenes, the scenes, you know, evolving. Um, the reason that it is the way that it is is because the stuff that used to be provocative is now, um, you know, part of human resources, and you can't you you can't provoke anymore with it. Like it's not mm. it's not really interesting to be a leftist feminist, right? It's it's there's too much. It's oversaturated, you know. Right, right. Do you remember by any chance the going back to the topic of the culture of confession that, that you wrote about, like, th- do you remember what now they meme it as they call it like indie sleaze? Have you seen this meme? There's like an yeah. Instagram account called indie oh, sleaze. So much of this is like invented. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder if you, what you know about it or what you think about it, because I was thinking about this the other day, kind of connected to like the, this, this kind of uh, reformation of the alt lit vibe in yeah. the New York scenes that's happening now in a, in a similar way to the Taolin thing, but with its own distinct characteristics. I was thinking back to how, when I was coming up in like college and I was like, you know, whatever, a hipster in Philadelphia or whatever, it was like, one thing that was very different was that photography was way more standard and expected. It was like yeah. there were party photographers everywhere. This was yeah. like this was a thing. If you ever went to like a, a hipster nightclub or whatever, um, at that time, and I think this is more or less the same time as like the culture of confession, or it's, it's yeah, what you it's call like that. Yeah, it's in the same period, roughly. It's like there were always photographers, and no one was skittish about photography it was like cool you wanted to be you wanted the party photographer to like snap you and then the day after the party everyone would be like on the websites looking to see if they were like in the photographer's like uh facebook photos or whatever like do you remember this yeah were you like involved was that something like you lived through i remember it i wasn't involved with it okay um i think i was too young at the time but like i i mean i definitely remember being like i wish i looked like Corey kennedy 
you know. Exactly. Right. 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 And I was aware of it from the from the internet. So to me, this is I find this interesting because and I want I just wonder what you think about it because this is one big difference between then and now, despite yeah. the similarities, is sensitivity to things like photography and and a kind of like instinctual wish for privacy and obscurity. Like the, uh, to me, this is a very a very clear one. Back then, it was cool and fun. Everyone wanted to be photographed, and that was part of it. Was expected. It was part of the fun. Nowadays, people I feel like are. I don't know what it is. I, maybe you have a theory. Maybe it's a kind of like um, being uh, kind of resentful towards like mass surveillance and yeah. Facebook tracking your data. And there's like this generalized vibe today of like being watched all the time and the, the ubiquity of cell phone photography right. and all that. That now there's a, this kind of cultural reaction to that where when people go to parties, they don't want your fucking camera in their face. And, right. and that's almost seen as like an affront. It's like inv- an invasion of privacy or whatever. Whereas back then it was cool. Yet now, the that moment of party photography back then is now a hip meme. There's like an Instagram channel called Indie Sleaze, and it's basically just photos from back then. So there's this very weird thing going on where right now people, and I could be wrong, maybe you say it totally different, I'm just guessing basically, but this is how I read it. There's this kind of generalized antipathy to things like photography and, and, and kind of... Um, artifacts and mementos of lived social experience yeah. there's an antip- there's a strong antipathy to the production of that stuff and yet there's also this kind of unconscious longing for it yeah uh, because people are into this like indie sleaze meme as a kind of retro as a retro meme well i think there i'm gonna change positions a little yeah. bit that was hurting my neck but yeah. i think there's there i think there is they like the aesthetic um in terms of people not liking to be photog- uh, photographed i think that's you know a few things one it's not that people don't want their image out there. They want to control their image. Mm-hmm. And you might look really bad in a photo. And people uh, are actually right. really vicious if you do look bad in photos. But this um, is the cool thing about indie sleaze. And that's why right. it's called sleaze, right? Because the people look gross. People look weird. It's like people vomiting from being too drunk and stuff like yeah. that. They look kind of ugly. But in retrospect, that's cool. It, it like seems yeah. sexy and cool that they did that. Well, I think people would do a selfie of them. Or like a you know a staged portrait of them vomiting where they have a lot of control over the curation. I just don't think they would want that. It's a great point. I think you're absolutely right. With in this state in this age of Instagram filters and where everything yeah. is super manicured, that's one of the reasons why this and I doesn't think it's, hit. I think it's not even the you know the the it being manicured or people like needing to appear uh, you know beautiful or something. They just want the control over it. Right. Right, and the other the other piece of this is, and this is probably more true of your circles. There's probably folks who are interested in the kinds of parties or events you attend, and they don't, you know, in certain circles you get branded as problematic. Like there's people who I'm like real life friends with who I like, and I have no problem with anything they do, and there's and I'll interact with them like in public, um, both in the physical world and on Twitter or on Instagram or wherever, and yet there's still a gnawing feeling in the back of my mind like you know what, if I ever, for some reason, got a high-profile job or something, or, you know, was in a movie, I mean, not that that's going to happen, but you know what I mean? If, if, if I was ever in the public eye, this, the fact that I'm friends with this person who I have no problem with and I would defend, you know, and, and can sleep at night that I can defend them, it's going to be dredged up and it's going to be used against me, and I hate that I'm even thinking about this. Really? Yeah. Wow. So that's funny. That's a big difference between you and I because I I feel so completely past all of that. Like I don't think about those things anymore at all. Like I feel like I'm truly just outside of society basically at this point. I'm jealous. <laughs> I I wish I was. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Tell me a little bit about 
delicious tacos who is that and uh i'm not saying doxing but like sure. how did you get connected with him what's his story like without doxing and whatever a, a lot of people know who he is i don't i actually probably know the least about him of most people but he's a i, I don't i don't achieve in his work by calling him a manosphere blogger but he did he you know he does write um fiction but also sort of like memoir auto fiction um, but it's like very pornographic, right? It's very sexual. Yeah, I can't fuck with that. But yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's out there. I don't. I, I just can't. I don't even like movies with a lot of sex in them. Uh, I'm like, yeah. you talk about sex neg- negativity a lot. I'm like honestly pretty sex negative. Yeah. Like, not even as a polemic. Like I don't really care that much about the talking points or the debates. I'm not like a representative of some like tribe or something. But emotionally, psychologically, like I don't really. I don't even like sex in movies. Let alone I, like reading, I feel you. reading yeah. like pornographic literature. So I've heard that Delicious Tacos is really cool and a good writer and an interesting badass he, guy. But I, I I can't read that stuff. I just it's not my taste. So I want to learn more about like why why is he cool? What's he? Yeah. All about? So I actually I I struggle to read some of his more pornographic stuff too because it just feels like you know often it's real people and then I like I'm automatically sort of like I, there's no distance and now I feel like I kind of know him and there's. And it just it it like complicates how I consume the work, but I do like his advice. You know the way he does an advice column. Okay. Even though I I pretty much disagree with him on everything, but he's so funny. He's just so funny, and, and he's so black pilled. How did you so black pilled? How did you get connected with him? Um, we had him on after the orgy. R.I.P. It's not coming back. People always ask, so just gonna say this for the audience. Um. But we had him on after the orgy, and uh, my my ex co host was, uh, you know, a Welbeck scholar, and she, you know, she thinks his writing's very similar to Welbeck's, and it was a really interesting conversation. Um, and you know, we we had a very provocative title for it, <laughs> um, uh, and you know, we sort of stayed friendly after that. Um, and he he'd been peripherally on my my radar just from Twitter and just being online all the time. Um, and then Forever Mag was, you know, they, they reached out to me and they're like, do you want to do an advice column for our, I think, December issue or winter issue? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And they were like, what do you think of doing it with delicious tacos? I was like, you know, no problem. Yeah, no. Okay, so they suggested it. Yeah, and then it did really well. And so I was, I was like, let's just keep doing it. And so we kept doing it. Okay, interesting. Cool, cool. And why did you shut down after the orgy? Um, it was just like, well, first, first of all, the, my ex-host is a lawyer. So she, uh, you know, she's not, I'm, I'm working like a marketing job. So I'm, I'm more, I have more time to be like, I'll take two hours off in the middle of the day and then make it up later. She can't do that. Um, and then I feel like we had different, we were sort of on different, uh, wavelengths about some of the the content. Um, she's really interested in literature. And and I, I think our best episodes were deconstructing, uh, works of works of literature, but like, uh, you know, it just felt like like I'm doing this this internet culture thing and she's sort of doing another thing and it just yeah. fell apart. That's the hardest thing about collaborations is yeah. they always just something something they're fragile. Yeah. This is like what Chat for God was for me. It was it was like it was kind of about to blow. It was kind of blowing up honestly and it was yeah. I thought it was really amazing content. Um but Ashley and I just couldn't like get on the same page which is totally fine but yeah um, and it's like a weird thing to explain to people because yeah because they're like they want more they want more and they're disappointed but but also they're like oh so you you guys hate each other it's like (laughs) it's just like sometimes there's just not the right professional chemistry and i think you don't know what that means until it happens and it's like never like a personal oh how about compact mag what's their story and like (laughs) because you wrote an article for i did write an article for them what do you know about them um I mean, they seem like they're just sort of filling this space where, you know, I, I feel like there's 
for a long time, people have been sort of um, defensively right wing, let's say. Mm. And it's like people who like aren't really right wing sort of feel like they need to say they're right wing because there's nowhere else to go. Um, and I think compact is sort of acknowledging the weird space that's created. And they're kind of honestly saying like, we believe different things, but we're just, you know, we're, we're against sort of the current order. They're post-liberal, but right. you know, being post-liberal doesn't, it can mean so many different things. Right. And they're, they're allowing for all these strange bedfellows to, for there to be a little bit more like diversity and that diversity is acknowledged. And that's, that's my take on it at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're kind of like going for like religiously conservative, like economic leftism. Is that? It that's seems like my I, very vague read from I, afar. I think it's 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 a mix. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just curious if they had any gossip about them or whatever. <laughs> no, no gossip. Uh, um, no, nah, nah, you know. It's cool that it, it. You know, Nina's a great editor. I'm glad. You know, I'm happy to see her. Was she your editor for your article? Y- yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I enjoyed working with her. Um, yeah, she's cool, and I'm I'm happy that I'm happy that it's doing well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she's she's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so one of your big ideas, probably your big idea, your main idea, has to do with sex negativity. Uh, this is something you've been writing about and talking about for probably the longest. I, w- I would say, yeah. if you have one kind of key theme in your work, uh, it, it's it's this theme of sex nev- negativity and um, just generally this uh, feeling a lot of people have that there either is right now or is going to be, or there's a kind of mounting backlash against the sex positivity that w- that we've kind of been drowned in for 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 many years now. Why don't you give me and the audience um, give us the TLDR on, okay. on on your on your views there, and then we'll, we'll talk about that for a little bit. So I, you know, embarrassingly almost, I've noticed that um, I'm the the you know I I think that the sort of meta idea is the pendulum swings back and forth, and I'm the you know I'm the pendulum person, right? Okay. Um, you know, so I I had this. I mean, it felt like I was like having like a seizure or something. I just like one day I like wrote this this blog post and it's like filled with typos. It's totally insane. I've never gone back and looked at it, you know. And it just is. It just did very well, and it it you know just keeps getting cited. And in this blog post, I'm like, sexual posit- sex positivity has basically become passe. Um, we've we're oversaturated in these attitudes and and in this content and there's no you we there's no going further than we already have so we're going to start going we're going to start reacting to it and uh you know there's going to be many expressions of this um but this is mostly um it's going to be how we talk about sex how it's expressed on on social media um you know sort of the zeitgeist is going to change does this change lived behaviors i don't know because we're in a sex recession and yet we're also completely oversaturated with basically porn so i mean i don't you know i don't know i don't know how it's going to impact behaviors but i do think that it's 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 going to be tacky to be really open about your sex life well and do you think this you often talk about this as something that you see as coming but is it already here like are we're yeah i mean it's it's for them it's it's not evenly distributed but it's it, it is here like i don't think you could you know i would say like even five years ago, maybe less, you could build a career off the back of, uh, be, like, especially as a woman, being very frank about your sex life. Right. If you did that now, it would be like very, very, very you know, passe. Yeah, it's interesting. Kind of going back to our discussion about the current lit- literary counterculture. Yeah. Um, compared to the alt lit moment, it's 
you could argue that one big difference is is that there's way less sex involved. Yeah. Like what I the whole indie sleaze thing I was talking about before, that had a lot of sexual kind of energy, right? Like yeah. those those cool party picks that were so fashionable back then. It was a lot. It had like sexual undertones, right? It was like who's sleeping with who and who's gonna sleep with who, and that was kind of like part of the drama, part of of the subculture. Whereas now it it seems to me. Correct me if I'm wrong. I am ultimately, you know, I'm just a middle-aged man who lives in Austin, Texas. I, I don't fucking know what's going on. But yeah, um, it sure seems to me that the literary countercultures um, right now are relatively sexless. Like, I don't, I, maybe, I don't know. I'm sure people are having sex, but right. it's not like a big part of it. Like when yeah. I look, when I look at like, you know, people like Honor Levy or I look at like, you know, um, NPCC Fest, there's like nothing that I see or hear that, 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 stands out that has anything to do with like this person is fucking this person and this is interesting to me or this is dramatic or this is that like that's just not part of the subplot it's not part of the characters it's not part of of the intrigue at all or am i missing something i think i mean it's you can't eliminate it but i think it's probably not part of the the branding maybe like we you know where is but it the, used to be right you know right. what i'm saying yeah, right yeah, like like, Me- like megan boyle and tal lynn like there you know yeah. there were there were just way more um, sexual aspects to it right like you still probably need to be like fuckable frankly to to reach a certain level of success like it's <laughs> and not being so is likely to hold you back sure. however it's not like like you have to be like a very you know a, a beautiful or young or you know somewhere at the intersection of the two women who like is kind of chased or like if you're not chased we don't we don't have to know and we shouldn't know a thing about what's going on and i think that's the major the major change like it has it, it can happen as lasciviously and as frequently as you so wish, as long as, you know, we don't, you know, don't ask, don't tell, kind of. Well, that's an interesting thing you just said, because I've often wondered if in this culture of sex negativity where, like, it's not cool to talk about sex, it's not cool to be openly, you know, flaunting that and, and playing that game. I actually have this bad feeling that there's, like, weird stuff in the background. There's there like, has to be. Especially when you think about this kind of schizoid style that's like very fashionable i have this i have this kind of fear or hunch that in a couple years stuff's going to emerge from this like weird literary underground where there's going to be like weird grooming things there's going to be weird like brainwashing things there's going to be weird cult things that yeah are probably going on right now frankly that people don't know about but it's going to have sexual aspects it's going to have like brainwashing aspects um because I think what's because sexuality doesn't go away, right? The, right? Those energies, those motivations, never go away, and and it's it's a basic fact of underground youth cultures, or you know, undergrounds in general, youth culture, youth cultures in general. Like sexual desire and libido is always um, one of the big right. drivers of it all, right? So if there's if if sex is being suppressed from the the visuals, from the culture, from the from the vibe, you can bet your bottom dollar it's it's being displaced and mani- sure. managed and probably manipulated somewhere and and one of the big problems with this whole schizoid like style of thinking and writing is that it makes you susceptible to shit like that like this is one of the reasons why really? I I think so yeah because like the whole schizo style what it is is it's extreme openness I mean that in 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 terms of like the the big five personality traits and it's well documented that the the the, the big pitfall with schizotypal attitudes and behaviors and personality types extremely high openness people is uh, a high vulnerability to manipulation uh, but a lot of people are performing right it'd be one thing if it was gathering people who were you know actually like this in you know a a group but they're they're not 
right? Yeah. So it's, if they were re- like, I, you know, I, I dated someone with schizophrenia for a long time and like, there's no, there's no putting him in a group. Like if, if you're act and he was, he was pretty high functioning. Mm. Um, and there's like, there's, if, if you actually are, are, are schizoid there, you're not, it's just, it's just not, it's just not happening. And yeah, well, if you're like actually struggling with schizophrenia, yes, but yeah. schizotypal traits, but they is, don't actually have, it's, it's, it's different. A, it's a fad, right? So it's, they're not, they're, they're not actually a magnet for people who have these, they're like, it's like the autism thing, right? Like a lot of people, I, I, right? It's fashionable to be autistic, but like most people who talk about that are not. And even if even if it's something that's sort of out of their control, what they really are, it probably cripplingly socially awkward. Um, and that's it. That's a you know, it feels that's when we say autism, that's what we mean. Like these people don't have special interests. Like there's a difference between I'm fixated on on something um, because. Uh, you know, I have an addictive personality or I'm fixated on something because I take a lot of Adderall. <laughs> and which, I mean, in all seriousness, like if yeah. you need Adderall to pursue your special interest, it's not a special interest. Huh, that's a good, that's a good you line. Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, in all seriousness. And I think like, and I, I'm very sympathetic to people who are like, I'm cripplingly socially awkward and I feel as though it is a, a, a disability and it might be, but it's not autism. What do you make of the post-rationalist like subculture on Twitter. Okay, you want to talk about actually autistic? <laughs> Say more. I okay. They, I would buy that a lot of those people are autistic and not just awkward. Now you didn't go to the vibe camp thing, did you? I did not. You thought about it. I, <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, I'm pretty sure that I'm not gonna. This is not for me. Um, yeah. Well, I okay. So I. It would, goes back to what I said before. I only go to things that I'm like explicitly <laughs> invited to speak at. Uh, <laughs> I would have gone if if I knew how to drive and it was closer to Austin. Um, I like, I shower like three times a day, like liplets are real number. Um, and I can't, I'm like very sensitive to like, not even other people smelling bad, but like the thought that I might smell bad. Um, yeah. Like if it means like, I'm going to like lose my hair at 40 and like, cause I over shower. I'm, that's, a, that's the price I'm willing to pay. Is that real? Like hot water supposedly makes your hair. I don't of, know. I think you hear all sorts of conspiracy <laughs> yeah. theory. You're not supposed to get your hair wet or something, yeah. but like, yeah, like I, um, it just seemed too dirty for me. And then more than too that, dirty. <laughs> yeah, more than that, like, I don't know if those people like me very much. And it was sort of like, Oh, you're, you know, you're in group. Then I'm like, I don't know what that means. And I think a lot of them don't realize what some of my values and beliefs are. And they're occasionally surprised and reach out to me like, did you know this is really hurtful? And it's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to hurt anyone, but like, I, you know, I'm not just saying some things to be provocative. I'm saying them because I, believe them or like it's so second nature to me and i don't think they, they're like surprised like i think for some reason people thought i was sort of like a burner berkeley type or you know um and i don't like know i don't know if it's because of stuff i posted when i was younger because i've sort of been in these circles for most of you know for a long time um or if it's because like i was a little bit i kind of lost my mind for like three months after i got divorced um and i was a little bit weirder than um and but it, it was like three months and i don't know if, if that's what I, I don't know what the genesis of this is but there is a sense that i'm like um very sort of like berkeley in my beliefs which i'm not like i, I don't like to hug people i'm very kind of i don't know yeah i know what you mean well some of the one thing that's interesting about that whole world right now is that 
I think the whole that vibe that vibe camp weekend thing they did had this really dramatic effect of like actually showing a lot of people that there are different subgroups in this weird yeah. like supposed like Twitter subculture. Right. Like people imagine that you, me, the vibe camp people yeah. were like all in the same Twitter subculture. Not true at all. And it and it required like some IRL um, hangouts and people posting photos and talking about their experiences to really drive this home. Like I had a sense of this, which is why I didn't go to that thing. Yeah. No disrespect. I want people to have fun and do their own thing. You know, let your freak flag fly and all that. Um, even if I'm not like the type who has a freak flag that I like to fly, <laughs> you know. Um, well, I guess I do it my own way, whatever. But my point being that if you look at like the media that came out of that, like yeah. it's the weirdest thing. And the kind of, I think worst thing about that whole thing was um, like, it seems like you had a lot of really nerdy people. Um, no disrespect. I'm friends with a lot of nerds and nerd being nerdy school nowadays, but it was like people who are socially awkward and nerdy got together. And a lot of them like, had sex with each other and now they all think they're sexy. And this like really is upset. Well, it's like, it kind of is upsetting to me because like they're all posting selfies now. It's like these people that I followed who I thought like, I didn't really know them. I didn't really like, I didn't know what they were about, but they had the interesting, they had some interesting weird takes. And like, I was more or less content to kind of see us all like vaguely in a weird swimming in the same sea. It's yeah. Like now these people, cause they got laid once they're posting selfies of themselves and they think they're like fucking hot, but like, dude, you're not hot. You're like a middle-aged man and like, you're not hot. Like, don't post selfies, dude. I don't think, I think these people have a, these people that seem so dismissive. I think that subculture has a lot of sex. So it's not like they got laid once. And that's another thing. Like, that's not, like, I don't want to, like, I talked about my sex life a little bit on After the Orgy and like, that was very uncomfortable for me. Um, And like, uh, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to share my trauma. You know, I don't want (laughs) to do an authentic relating game. Um, I don't want to hug people. I don't want to see anyone naked ever. For yeah, I want to repress my trauma like all good men <laughs> yeah, I want to forget it. Like, I don't want to know who I was 10 years ago. That She's dead. It's, <laughs> it's not one fluid movement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's, that's a, like, I'm very uptight in certain ways, and I don't want, if, if it needs to be, like, unpacked, I don't want to unpack it there, <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, I think what hap- I, I think what's happening in with the digital media is that over time, digital media is separating and distinguishing the different wrinkles within different subcultures. So it's, it's fragmentation after fragmentation. It's like a branching tree, right? And um, as digital media combines with time and sleuthing and, and sorting, what's happening is people are able to actually locate themselves in increasingly well-defined niches and then niches are splitting into smaller niches and i think that's what's kind of going on here you know it's interesting we were talking about we talked about schizo types and we also talked about autistic types you know in the scientific literature is like a lot of people see these as basically two ends yeah um two two opposing poles and it's really interesting to think about that because um we're kind of talking about both on the internet subcultures today there are representatives of both like the angelicism and Barrett Avner types. Like these yeah. are actually schizotypal personality types. Um, and that's not good or bad. I'm saying just objectively yeah. from a scientific perspective, these are people with schizotypal traits and they're doing their own thing in their own writing style. And of course they vibe with each other and, and that's a beautiful thing. And then you have the more autistic people doing things like vibe camp. Yeah. And it is pretty interesting that these things map out on pretty like scientifically predictable uh, lines. Yeah. 
And there's also borderlines. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, I, I've, I, I kind of think like you, you're either artistic or borderline sort of in today, you know, abusing those labels totally. Well, I feel like you and I can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you and I are kind of in the same camp in that we're basically, um, s- we lean like so somewhat socially conservative. Um, but we're, um, no, well, well, we're, well, we're socially liberal when it comes to making friends and like yeah. having an open mind towards new weird stuff. And we like that we find we're kind of novelty seeking and we're kind of high openness in that regard. And we like weird stuff and we're kind of non-judgmental in that way. But when it comes to like disgust sensitivity and just basic, um, kind of the, the psychology around, um, values, yeah. we're more socially conservative basically. Is that Fair I'd say I've, I've dipped into I've, I've tested my own limits a few times and I, you know I don't want to pretend like I've never you know like done things or said you know oh, but yeah same, but same. these but these days for sure like I'm increasingly so what would you call our camp then this is an interesting question because I feel like the whole angelicism Barrett Avner subculture it's fairly coherent like you can point you have a sense of like you can point to those people and and yeah. you can, and you can call it whatever you can call it something that sounds like schizoid or whatever like right. you kind of get it that makes sense and then you can point to the post-rationalist vibe camp people and you're and like you're like okay yeah those people are in a circle that's their own thing but w- i feel like for uh, for people like us right. like what do you call that how do you think about that niche like how do you think about your own kind of subspace in like the digital media landscape it's, yeah it's difficult because i don't actually know right like um and i'll like sort of i'll try to enter spaces and it does not it's rarely a good fit but i you know speaking of, of nina i think she's also in this sort of like i wouldn't call her like right wing or anything but she has a cons- like a socially conservative sensibility yeah that means that you know she she's sort of homeless in a sense right um yeah, maybe it just doesn't have a, a name yet. I think, and I think there's a lot of people sort of like us where they're sort of shuffle, some, like some of them are sort of shuffled into right, different right wing circles and it's like not quite the right fit, but it's, they they have something like the way they approach gender or, or sexuality kind of, you know, that's what the, the core of their, their writing or something and it, it keeps them there. Right. But there's like just not a good, there's not a good name for it. I've, I've, we need it. We need this because in do. a way, like I'm curious about this because I this is like the thesis for this podcast, basically. Like, this yeah. is what I want to get more and more narrow on and understand better and better and really, really nail it down because this is like what I want to is what I want to represent. It's something like it's something like trad values, but like wild, like personality or something. It's like like trad in terms of values and like open and chaotic in terms of like ideas or thinking or like um it, i don't know i don't know but i, I want to pin it down there's just not a name for people who have these kind of like middle of the road because you know i wouldn't say that like you're super extreme and i don't think i'm super extreme either like sort of the the values that have settled in on um you know after you know now like i there's no way i'm not an adult you know what i mean like they're 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 traditional, but they're like they're what my mom taught me. You know what I mean? It's it's very sort of like normative <laughs> and like it's like uncontroversial or like not really provocative. Uh, if it was 1994, um, I'm curious how you see kind of the content landscape, like for maybe for yourself, maybe more generally. You know, you're obviously in the thick of it. You're super online. You have a Substack. You do a ton of all different kinds of things. You do podcasting. You do the Substack. 
And as you described before, for you, it's it's kind of like a hobby, but you definitely are passionate about it and you put a lot of work into it. Are there kind of uh, trends going on that you would bring to our attention? Do you think the Substack phenomena is here to stay and it's only going to get bigger? Do you see that as like a short-term blip? Anything at all that you see kind of um, coming up next or on the horizon when it comes to being an internet writer or, or sure. a creator? Um, so as far as Substack goes, I don't really know. I don't think podcasts will ever die, though. I'm bullish okay. on podcasts. Um, and Why? I, um, because I think people think that it's like they don't realize it's a form, you know, that it, it's there, there can never be too many like there can never be too many movies. There can never right, be too right. many podcasts. What could happen is for for whatever reason, um, it becomes harder to consume it. Like something's going to need for for podcasts to become irrelevant. Something's going to need to replace it. Mm. Um, and I think that people don't really realize that. I think they think of it like, oh, there's already so many podcasts. Like, would I recommend someone start a true crime podcast if they want to be a career podcaster? No, that moment has passed. Uh, or a Marxist podcaster, that moment has also passed. To start a podcast, there's there's no there's no like you know, there's no limit on how many podcasts. It's like what, you know, you have to just find the content, calibrate your content for the moment. Um, I think culture war stuff is going to change. Okay. How um, so? I think it's going to be more about our relationship with technology. Um, and as I said, in, in compact, I think there's, so there's two things that I think are going to start, uh, ruffling feathers. The first thing is, um, the detransitioner moment is upon us and it makes total sense because it's we're you know a decade out from tumblr um and you know again my my usual disclaimer is that whatever people know that i'm not a not a transphobe so you know what (laughs) i always feel like i need to protect myself somehow but um so the i think the you know the detransitioner moment is is going to be about uh health healthcare and it's going to be about the way we use technology and how that affects our self-perception but it's still a little too radioactive so it's it's going to move the needle but it's not going to be the big thing i think the really big thing is dating app fatigue um and then between like you know the the detransitioner thing is sort of the the canary in the coal mine uh and the culture war battles are still gonna exist but i think they're gonna shift and become more about the way we use tech than right. about, you know, whatever the hell it's about right now. And how is it going to manifest? Like what, because I, I totally think you're right. The dating apps seem to be really bad for most p- parties involved. Um, but what is it going to produce? What do you think is going to be the manifestation of this backlash? Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know yet. Uh, you know, I think that, it. you know, uh, incel ideology might be like more mainstreamed. It, it, it definitely already is. Like I've heard, I've, I've both heard this happening with other people and experienced it myself, like talking to totally like normie friends at, about, you know, just incel talking points because they feel so marginalized by, by dating and they have no romantic existence or if they do, it's completely humiliating. I wonder if there's a connection between the dating app horror show and the new internet subcultures that maybe no one wants to talk about, you know, like we are talking about how like kind yeah. of like counter, like the literary countercultures are kind of strangely sexless or, or they seem so. I wonder if I wonder if there's like a, a kind of interesting relationship going on there with like how many how many how many of these people who are like, you know, extremely online, you know, uh, uh, political dissidents in like uh, edge edge lord accelerationist discord servers and stuff like how many of those people are kind of 
like incels, basically. Like, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm friends right. with a lot of these people. But it's like we have in our minds this image of the incel who's like, you know, this like super fat loser guy in his basement who's like thinking about shooting up right. the movie theater. That's like what most people think of when they think of incels. Like, and then we think of these like, you know, crazy wild young guys on discord servers flipping nfts and like trading altcoins like is it an interesting possible hypothesis that actually these two people are more alike than people realize um well i mean there's there's sexless people and there's incels and you know like there's there's not just there's not a single incel ideology right but it's it's i think it's a useful like umbrella term yeah and it's like are they, you know, is their sexlessness something that they just ignore? Or is it something that they're sort of unpacking or it feels like, you know, temporary somehow, even if it's not? I think a lot of people just don't have sex, right? Mm. Does that make them incels per se? I don't know. You know, like yeah. probably not. You know, I, I I get so much heat for this, but I identify my my younger self as a femcel. Um, mm. But because, you know, and it was a brief period of time. I, I certainly like wasn't like, a femcel for, you know, years and years and years or like most of my 20s or anything, you know, I was, I was married. Um, but I identified as a femcel in my early 20s and my teen years. You know, one, it was literally the truth, but also like my sexlessness or like my feeling of like undesirability was a component of my worldview. Mm. And that's why I use the term because it's, it's like, was there something special about me? No, but that I adopted it as how I navigated the world and it informed how I thought about other issues. That's what made me a femme cell, you know, besides it being a, like a literal truth. Okay. Fascinating. So your larger theory of incel dumb is that this is not so much about these like highly marginalized outcast loser guys that people have in their mind. It's more a kind of like values driven, totally uh, cultural antipathy I mean, towards sex. That's going to be producing more and most, more. Incels. like, classical incel I've ever known I mean had girlfriends and and a sex life when I knew him you know it's not it's not someone I speak to anymore um because he was you know super blackpilled and I I, as a woman it was very hard to be his friend but like he had a a very normal social life he wasn't ugly he was he had a great job decent I'm not going to say he was the most handsome dude in the world but decent looking guy and I mean you know he but he had he had an incel worldview mm. and he was, you know, openly misogynist. He would use that word to describe himself. Um, and it just, you know, it, it just was what it was like. Right. So, you know, I, I, I think that there are a lot of true cells, which people who like are truly celibate. Um, but being anywhere on the incel spectrum, you have to, you have to, ha- it has to inform how you think about everything else. Being sexless is a different thing. Well, that's a killer thought to end on. That's yeah. a lot, lot to chew on defaultfriend.substack.com people can go subscribe to your newsletter if you're watching or listening and anything else you want to share with the audience let let them know Um, about i don't think so is that the best place people can find you just defaultfriend.substack.com and twitter of course yeah yeah always on twitter (laughs) thank you so much for coming out to austin this was super fun and uh we're doing the other life meetup the other life slash urbit social tonight you're gonna be there Yeah. yeah Awesome. Cool. Well, this is really fun. You're only the third victim. And uh, and I do think you're the very first person to be on the podcast three times. So congratulations <laughs> for that distinction. Thanks for having me. All right. That's a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You made it all the way to the very end. So you must really like the show. In that case, I would be super grateful if you'd be so kind to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is go to otherlife.co slash review. That's otherlife.co forward slash review. And it'll send you an Apple podcast. Just leave a review. You can be honest. 
tell me what you really think. I'd really appreciate it because it'll help other people find the show and I'm really trying to grow out the podcast. So thanks for listening and thank you for leaving a review. I really appreciate it.